I want to talk about Christ the unifier. There's been thousands and probably millions of messages preached on unity. And the thing that about that is that I have literally heard people when they've walked away or they'll come up to me and say, look, there's no way we can be unified. Now, while that is a, while that is a, a, a honest statement, I appreciate that. The problem is, is whenever we try to do things our way, we mess up. I, I want to make a statement. I want you to hear me well. If the Word of God says something, and it's saying what you can be and what you can do, when you doubt it in your mind, you don't even have to say it, but when you begin to doubt it, you need to understand the evil one has won in your brain, and you are sinning against God. Because we don't serve a God that asks the absolute impossible for us. And I want to tell you how that unity can come. I'm also going to share with you why <laughs> there's not the unity that there needs to be. You know, unity's not going to come because you like the same football team. I mean, you may think it does, but it doesn't. Some people like offense, some people like defense. And two people that like the same team will get in an argument and get mad at each other when the offense claims they're the reason for them being a champion and the defense claims they're the reason. So two unified people are now mad at each other. They're not speaking to each other. Do you see what I'm talking about when it comes to us trying to do something? All right, we're going to look at the fact that you need to understand as a Christian you are one in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, the next part of our study of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 says, therefore, what was the therefore? Right above that, it says, we have been made alive in Christ who were dead in our trespasses and sin. Therefore, remember that you formerly were formerly were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision by those of who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Paul is saying to the people, guys, y'all are separated. And the reason you're separated is not because of God. It's something man. One's circumcised, one is not. This is something that is a made by man. And, and so that's why formerly y'all were alienated. Okay. Remember, again, he's saying, remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without the hope and without God in the world. Guys, remember, he's talking to Gentile Christians. Gentile Christians still had that little rub that they were, uh, the, the Jewish people didn't like them. And they were true. 
in the temple, there was a place called the court of the Gentiles. Then there was the court of the women. And then there was the inner, the sanctuary where the Jewish people could worship from. And then there was the Holy of Holy. Well, on the, it's a little, I think about four feet tall. What a big fence. Four feet, there's a wall. And here's what it said. I wrote this down because I didn't want to misquote it. The Jews had written this on that wall that separated Gentiles. No foreigner may enter within the bastitude around the sanctuary and the enclosure. Whoever is caught on himself shall be put to blame for the death that will follow. In other words, you step over the fence, you lose your life. That was the enmity and the hatred. And Paul is addressing a church of Jews and Gentiles, and there was that still, that enmity. He had told them in the beginning of chapter 2, remember where you came from. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, living without hope. Jesus made you alive. And they came to Jesus, but they didn't come together. Christ alone is the unifier. We don't unify ourselves. How many of you have a husband or wife? Raise your hand. Come on, admit it. Somebody, all right. When y'all got married and said, I do, did you instantly become one? Me and my wife didn't. I'm just going to be honest. I woke up next morning wondering, who in the world is this woman that is in bed with me? It was like she changed overnight. And then I found out she woke up saying, who is this guy that I just woke up with? It's not the same one. So we began the unifying. And if it hadn't been for Jesus, I, I don't know if we'd been unified. And I think that's the secret behind a marriage. When you make a covenant relationship, now I'm going to go off. This is a free message. When you make a covenant relationship between you and your mate, you're making it between you, your mate, and God. And you're saying, come hell or high water, good times, bad times, I'm going to be married to you until death do us part. And if that's the only unifying statement that y'all can make to each other after fighting and fussing, that's the grounds that God can work in your life and truly make you one place. Okay? There, you got two for one. You see, we don't really have a choice. There's other people that serve other gods. They're not really a choice. They're little g. They can't really do anything. You know why they can't do anything? They're dead. Dead men don't do anything. They just rot away. And if you could dig them up, they'd be skeletons. Just, you know, couldn't even stand up. But Ephesians, the fourth chapter, which is kind of the, remember, the practical part of the theology of chapter two, okay? It says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This does not say live worthy because in reality, it is by grace 
that we are saved. We are not worthy. Paul is saying, live in a worthy manner. How do we do that? Precepts of the Word of God, through much prayer, yielding to the leadership of God. Live in a worthy manner of the calling you have received. Why? So that, that is, this is a visible evidence of the calling from God and what God is doing in you that can help someone who is weak that makes the statement of, well, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't think I can live up to it. We don't have to. The old self is dead and God puts new stuff in us. All right, let's go. Be completely humble and gentle. So this humble stuff is not... That's being a mamby-pamby. Humble just simply means that you think more of someone else than you do of yourself. And it's not like, oh, I'm just, no, it's a fact that as Christ lived for us to serve us when he came to this earth and when he died on the cross for us, in like manner, the life that we live in a worthy manner is that we give up ourselves for each other. Now, before some muscle guy says, I won't be walked over by anybody. Listen, guys, we're walked over every day of the world. We got a government make sure. They just don't walk. They got one of those road graders with a big old heavy thing and they'll run slam over you. It's the way it is in life. But when you understand that there is nobody in control of you or this world but Jesus Christ himself, that means we overcome. And that means we don't have to worry about people walking over us. If they think that's the type of life to live, I'm content to just let them go ahead and think that so that they can see. Do you realize that was the issue with Jesus? He wouldn't fight anybody. He just simply spoke to them. Now, the religious people came around and he was a little bit different <laughs> because, see, they were supposed to know him. They were supposed to understand. They were supposed to be with him, not against him. And so he spoke to them the way they deserved. Be humble. Just, it's like this. If you remember who you were in Christ before Christ called you, and you realize that because of that life, hell was your destination, that will humble you, my friend. Because when I can pray and say, Abba, Father, and know he's listening, it's not because of anything that I am or ever could be. And that is a humble spirit. Be humble and gentle. Be patient. Let God work bearing with one another in love. You see, if everybody bared with, that's not good English, but I like it, uh, bared with one another, the, the, we wouldn't have any problems because you wouldn't see all my frailties and I wouldn't see yours because I realize there's no difference. We came from the same place. We had the same destination, but in Christ, Listen, in Christ, we're just part of the beauty of a mosaic. I'm going to show you in a little bit. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's 
your call. Don't say he or she or they made me mad. No one can make you mad. You get mad because you want to be mad. That's a fact. Make every effort to be unified through the Spirit. There is only one, that's kind of unifying, isn't it? One body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One, 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 okay? One Lord, one faith. I'll hit on that in a minute. And one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. What does that mean as Christ has apportioned it? He apportioned the grace in our life according to the need of our life. You see, God just didn't say, okay, I'm going to give out a pound of grace to everybody and that better get the job done. No, that's not the way it is. As he looks in our lives, it's a matter of what is it going to take. And Paul in Romans made this wonderful statement. Shall we sin that, that grace may abound? Keep, shall we keep on sinning just to get more grace? No. He said you can't out sin grace because God has a portion to us that grace. All right, the third thing. Let's look at some lessons from a very good source, our own bodies. How many of you had to talk to your legs and your back maybe this morning to even get out of bed? You know, some morning you just sit there and say, in the mind you're saying I'm getting up and the legs are saying I'm staying in bed. Yeah. Here lately, it's my hands. I get out like a vampire or something. I just got to get the hands going. I remember when I was a kid, everything worked good. I didn't get out of bed. I jumped out of bed. I ran. We all did, right? Why? Because from the head down to the bottom of our feet, everything was clicking. Everything worked. When the brain said, do something, we responded with the body because that's what the body was made to do. But as we have gotten older, you no doubt have made the statement I've made. If I'd known I'd lived this long, I'd, I'd have taken much better care of myself. Uh, the other morning, I had trouble getting out of bed Saturday morning. And my wife looked at me with sweet and daring face and said, Oh, happy birthday, you're 77 today. Uh, really appreciate that encouragement, darling. But that's the way it is. You see, the body of Christ is not made to deteriorate like the body we're made in. But the illustration of the body is that everybody has a part of the body, a function of the body, and every part is important. I'm not going to read this, uh, William, but I'm just going to tell them what this, this says in here. It basically says 
Paul is using some more arrogance here. He's saying, you can say that you, a hand, ought to be the eye. You just, I need to be the eye. And the eye is saying, well, I think I need to be the ear. And, and Paul is saying, well, if everything is an eye, where's the hearing? And if everything is a hand, where's the seeing? See, it's sarcasm. Everything, but it can't be the same thing. And no one has to worry about being the head, okay? That's Jesus. So it's the neck down we're dealing with, okay? And Paul said, we are all put together differently for a reason. And, and Paul scolds them because he's trying to say when everybody, instead of saying, I want to be who he is, I want to do what he does or she does, and fighting and arguing about wanting to be something else, here's the one thing we have to learn in life. Be who God created you to be and nobody else. I mean, when I say there is nobody else like me, usually people scream, amen. <laughs> but that's okay. And I don't have to be anybody else. My jokes are much funnier than Joe's. So I, I really don't want to be on that caliber. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm being silly to put something in your head. Those are real things that happen. We want to be somebody else doing something else when God is just trying to, for us to be ourselves because that's who he needs us to be. And you cannot do like I do when I'm putting a puzzle together. Okay, I am not a game person. So if you ever bite me over to your house, please don't say we're gonna have games. Because I'll probably have an emergency call out. I just don't like games. And I especially don't like puzzles. I, if I had put together a puzzle, I, I'm good at it. I got a little sharp knife, I'll shave this. and I can put it together, but I got a pile of stuff left. Okay, that's not what the body of Christ is. All right, let's talk about three other things. What is unity in the body of of Christ, because without unity, the body of Christ dies. Just like when our body continues to, feel, to fail and pieces and parts stop working, we die. So does the church. What brings unity? Well, first place you've got to have unity is between you and God. If you'll read the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples and in the statement he said, and for all those who will believe, which means you and I, he prayed that they, we would be one with God just like Jesus and God were one. That's the prayer our Savior prayed for us. And I want you to understand, if you're not one with God in yourself, you will be no, you'll not be one with anybody. Because 
the most your life will be a tumble of emotions because you know you're not one with God. Whether you confess it or think about it, you know it, and the body reacts differently like at one o'clock in the morning eating an anchovy pizza. The body does not accept that. And you are gripey and grumbly and not at one with yourself the rest of the night. That's exactly what happens. That's why you can't get along with people. Because you can't get along with God because you're busy telling God what you need to do instead of being obedient to what God said to you for what you need to do and who you need to be. Not only that, the local body, this church, for us to continue in the future and still go back to play. We've got a place. We've got churches planted all over the world. There's, there's, there's not a plot. But we don't have enough. I mean, there's a lot of places we need to go back and have the second and third church. And for this church to be strong, we've got to be unified together. Together. One with each other. Because Satan is looking for a crack. If anybody was disappointed when you got your egg and there wasn't any candy in it, too bad. <laughs> Publix is right down the road. Go buy you some candy. There's a reason for what Christina did. We're united. We're one. And then the overall body of Christ. What does that mean? Every Christian. There must be unity. Now, in a minute, I may go on a rant when I tell you what hinders, but y'all just love me anyhow, okay? What hinders? Number one, not being at peace with yourself. And secondly, because not being at peace with yourself will make sure you're not peace at peace with anybody else. It'll always be somebody else's problems. I'm gonna tell you something else that hinders the body of Christ, the overall body of Christ. The fact that man created denominations and people think more of denominations than they do the Word of God. Now, bring the cards, letters, and phone calls on. We, are, we live, breathe, and have our hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, not self-made creeds and traditions. And those are the things that separate us. I have some real bad news for people that think Tomoka Christian has a subdivision in heaven. It ain't so. You might be living next to a Methodist or a Baptist. So you might as well get used to being the product of a peaceful bond of Christ because while denominations are fighting over junk, okay, pure junk, nothing biblical, while we're fighting over that, the devil is playing a fiddle and having a heyday because the world sees a divided body of Christ. And where there's a crack, there's a falling apart, and we have fallen apart. Second thing, is racism. Why do you think missionaries have such a hard time 
reaching Indians with the gospel of love from Jesus Christ. I mean, let's get real. When you see someone walking down the street from another country, when you see a black person, what's your thoughts? What are they? You see, we have allowed racism in the name of Jesus to just about kill the witness and the message of Jesus Christ. I lived in the 60s, and I hated every minute of it. I was yanked off a stool in a Walgreens. Now, back then, Walgreens had a lunch counter, and it was good, and it made good hamburger. I was yanked off of a stool by a police officer, and my friend who played football for one of the black schools, at that time it was segregated, I had met him uptown and said, hey, you want to get a burger? We agreed, went in and sat down. When we placed our order, the manager called the cops. He got sent to jail, and I got scolded. I hated that with a passion. I hate it today. When I have traveled for 20 years and go into places where people build a resistance and a fear of me because my skin is white, and what the history has been. I'm gonna tell you, if we're going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, blacks don't have to come to church with us, we don't have to go to church with the Indians, that's not what I'm saying. But red and yellow, black and white, we're precious in God's sight, and when we link arms with the gospel of Jesus Christ, let our culture sing the world will be reached for Jesus. I want to tell you, Sunday night, Ron in here, tell him if I'm lying, Bubba, there was about 20 Haitian ladies in their dress, native dress, and they got up and walked out of the service. We're thinking, okay, they're going home. Man, some music started, and here they come. I mean... They were praising God, and I wanted to get in the Congo line with them because they were having fun. And if you've ever been in a multicultural environment, people today are afraid to be who they are. I mean, we did something outrageous. They went to prayer, and everybody prayed at the same time. It's a culture thing. Church, I'm going to tell us, get off our high horse. Reach your hand to people because every person, every person is a product of God's creation and God's image. And God have mercy on you if you've got a racist thought in your mind, okay? I'm not mad at you, but I love you. And for 50 years, I've watched this junk separate and the gospel of Jesus Christ rejected by people who go to hell. It's time it stopped. It's time it stopped. Because we are one. And that unifier, and I'll close, I'm over, that's tough. Here's what brings unity to this church 
and to the overall body of Christ. When Jesus, before he descended to heaven, did not say have Easter egg hunts, Winnie roast, and chili cook-offs. Those were good. He didn't say have a meal on Tuesday. I mean, those things are good. There's nothing wrong with it. But what he said primarily is church. Go from here to the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples. That was a command, not a suggestion. And when you show me a church that is so busy sending missionaries, giving their money so that we can support church planning, busy in the creation of churches all over the world. I'll show you a church that is unified because we are unified in Christ, we are unified in the message, and we are unified in the work of Jesus Christ. And that will unite the body of Christ. Stop selling creeds and traditions. Go with the gospel of Christ. Have a weenie roast in the name of the Lord. I'll be there. I like hot dogs. All of those things. You know, all that stuff that we're so busy with. One reason. We just had night to shine. One reason. Yeah, we wanted to spotlight people. But one reason. To lift Jesus Christ up. Because Jesus said, if I'm lifted, I'll draw all men to me. The church was born one reason, to reclaim a culture, reclaim a people who because of Adam and the sin of pride are on their way to hell and captured in their lostness. And Jesus created the church, you and us, to go after them. And this garbage that's preached and says all you got to do is wait on them. God will send them to you. You show me it in this book and I'll stop traveling right now. But folks, in my best grammar, it ain't so. Jesus didn't say stay and wait. He said go get them. And this is what you do. You love them with the gospel of Christ. And teach them how to become all they can be. If I have ruffled someone's feathers online or here, call somebody else because I really don't care. <laughs> Listen, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but it's really time. We got to the point, if the Word of God says it, we do it. And we believe it. Because the Word of God is true. If you're here today, and you have some private issues you need to handle, you can either come to this altar, there'll be some folks on either side for you to pray with, or get someplace and get rid of it. Because listen, we've got, if we're the only church that's going to do this right, we're going to be the only church that does it right. But our witness is going to be something else, okay? If you have never come to Christ if you've never experienced such cleansing and forgiveness, 
You come either today here or in room three. We'll have people who will sit down, pray with you, and talk with you. But friends, do something with the Word of God today. And know everything I've said to you is because I love you. And I want you to be all you can be in Christ and live in peace. That's my heart to you. Fathers, I come to you right now. We thank you so much for your word. Lord, let the revival start here. Let us begin to hate sin and love people. Father, speak into the lives of our friends here and harvest a harvest. In Christ's name, amen.